uh, I had a whole plan for all of them. A drink your milkshake? Uh, no, but you know, I had, I had, I was thinking about it, so I'd taken some notes and then I kind of, I did those and I was like, whatever. And then I found a couple other things that I wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, use quite the tease. as drops. And then those two things specifically kind of got away from me. So the, those two videos that I used have taken up all of the drops for tonight. So what do we got? Are you just going to run through all eight? Yeah, gonna- so, so I'll run through. Okay. And they're also, because I did it so scattershot, they're also a little mixed up. So I'm, okay. I may go in the wrong order. Okay. So I have a classic, a hidden gem, maybe from our college days. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> so we've got Mark McGrath telling some teenager to smell his fart. Where's the other one at? The guy from Sugar Ray. Oh, Lord! Lord! And then I got back up Terry. Bangle tear. Bangle tear. Oh Lord! Lord, please! Oh Lord! Put it reverse, tear. Bangle tear. And then I can also connect my phone, and I can play stuff through my phone. What is that? Oh, it's not connected yet. <laughs> I was connected to my head. It's connected to my AirPods. What were you listening to? <laughs> A workout video? No, it was uh, Egyptian Lover. Uh, Should have known. I mean, with this setup, you just wonder why anybody in podcasting talks anymore. Right. You could just have a week of drops and just every week is a new series of drops. Yeah. There's the episode. We've got no more giant pieces of foam. Yeah, this is honestly, this is the worst time to premiere all this stuff. (laughs) I feel like. I was given a certain amount of words to say in my life Mm -hmm. and I'm quickly getting to the end of you've already, it's like Trump's uh, thoughts on exercise, right? Right. You only have a limited amount of energy. So why would you want to waste that on exercise? Yeah. Or Amelie's thoughts on comas that you could just get all your sleeping done in one go and then be up for the rest of your life. Um, my throat, so I've always had this horrific, scratchy kind of, it sounds like the words are fighting to get out of my mouth because mm-hmm. they are, but also. And now you can hear it better than ever. Exactly, man. This is <laughs> this is not when I needed this. And, and now like in the last week, my throat has been like constricting up. It's been harder for me to like get stuff out. Mm-hmm. And my voice has gotten even more 
congested. Yeah. It feels like my throat is slowly closing up. Right. And now I get to hear it in uh, excruciating detail. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we should, this podcast should just be a documenting of my throat uh, completely closing up. Yeah. Well, it will be from now on. Even water doesn't help. No effect. Just took a big sip. Um, man, every time I come over here, it's like a bizarre. I don't know what happened to this time of night, but I feel like the whole world goes a little crazy. Mm-hmm. I step out of my my house to come over here, and there's a man holding a baby carrier, corralling two children. Mm-hmm. Or running around like all in front of him. So he has three kids total. And he is weeping. Wow. Weeping. Tears falling from his eyes. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, get into my car. <laughs> I mean, you know what you do? The kids you know, seemed all right though. They were like the having fun. The kids were having fun. Uh-huh. The kids were like playing. We, I had, we kind of had a moment like that. This was a while ago, but, um, I guess the girls were having a sleepover with my mom and we were going into that target over by where you live. Mm-hmm. Why? You live right by one. We were out by like having dinner or something and it was late at night or like late ish. It, it was nighttime. It was like nine o'clock and we're walking in and as we walk in, we walk past the like outside there's like the side parking lot mm-hmm. we walk past that and a girl like runs up to not to us but was like running up to the store and she like looks to me like she's like crying mm-hmm. or, like in some sort of distress but she just kept on running and so and julia didn't say anything about it so we just go into the store, but I couldn't let it go. And I'm thinking like, I should I have like said something like this right. girl was like upset. Mm-hmm. I should have like done something. Yeah. And I brought it up to Julie and she's like, no, I think she was just exercising. I was like, could she have just been exercise? I'm pretty sure she wasn't exercising. Just sweating from her eyes. <laughs> and also, why would you be like exercising in the Target parking lot? Yeah, or why would that be the end route of your exercise? But at the same route? time, I have no reason to believe that, like, like Julia didn't even pay her any attention when she was, you know what I mean? So maybe I completely misread the situation. Yeah, well, seeing people in distress is a, it's a bizarre thing to witness, you know? Um, and yes, yeah, so now I'm thinking maybe I should have been like, hey, you okay? Yeah. I honestly, my initial thought was, I swear to you, my initial thought that came in my head was, I'm glad I don't have three kids. <laughs> I just attributed it to having three kids. And yeah. I was like, of course I'd be crying too. Right. Yeah. Um, so then I pull on independence. Uh-huh. It's like a four lane, almost highway at that point right. where I'm at, where I am. We're going underneath the kind of bridge for 264. And there's a woman running on the street because she's underneath the um, the tunnel area mm-hmm. where there's no like sidewalk. She's running with two children. They are mm, like 10 and 11 around there, boy and girl. 
and she's holding two flip flops in her hands and running down Independence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, I I was looking for like a car to be broken down, but I didn't see anything. Yeah. So it just like got me thinking. I was like, I need to be more aware of what people are doing out in the wild. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Take better notice of my fellow man that I am oblivious or it's just like the witching hour when I come over. Right. Though those things come out and they just start happening and I just never know because yeah. I'm inside. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The girls definitely get like crazy at night. Just like their energy spikes. They're just super hyper. I mean, I guess they're somewhat that way all the time, mm-hmm. but it seems like they get especially crazy at night. Yeah. You need to um, just start screaming more at them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That'll get them in the line. Yeah, maybe. Um, give yourself like an alter ego. Be like, Greg is coming out. You don't want Greg. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good parenting technique. Yeah, try, yeah, sure, of course. Try it out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I had a story that I wanted to tell, and, and I totally forgot. I okay. was like, oh, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Must have been. Yeah, it's gone. Um, so, yeah, anything else? Anything no. Anything going on? Mm-mm. Like, I, like I said in our text, I watched one episode of Catch-22. Catch it's it's hard because I'm trying to get Julia to watch something. Like I'm trying to get us to watch something together. Uh-huh. Like, I, I threw out some recommendations right, like, to those. Like I want something substantive, something that's like that's like gives you the like stranger things or like the Game of Thrones things where you're like But good. Yeah, so something that you're like eager to watch, eager to like kind of just like spend time over, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I want it to be like narrative based. You know what I mean? Fictional, just like a story that you we can just sort of like watch together or that you can really sort of dig into. Something like, like I was saying, like that, The Wire, Deadwood, along those lines, right? But she is just not interested. Uh, and she said basically like, I would like to watch either cooking shows an old season of top chef or mm-hmm. survivor mm. just is like i just i i want to watch like a show you know what yeah. i mean so it's like anything that i have to that i want to watch i then have to watch by myself and if i'm doing it by myself that means i'm then giving up time to play video games which mm-hmm. i don't want to do mm-hmm. so i watched one episode of catch 22 and it was kind of like I just started it while we were together, hoping she would like catch on, catch on. And she just got up and left the room <laughs> after like 30 minutes. Pretty definitive. <laughs> yeah. So that's really the only reason I've only watched one episode because I did like it. Um, this microphone has a new mic smell. Yes, it does. They stink. Well, you it's can a different it. kind they of They don't stink. smell good. Well, it's a different kind of stink because... <clears throat> you're so used to, you know, people's breath. Right. You don't, you don't think about a new mic smell. Right. Anyway. Yeah, it, it definitely has a, a smell to it. 
Um, so yeah, Catch Twenty Two. I'm I'm super excited to talk to anybody about it, mm-hmm. let alone you. How Just, much of it have you watched? Um, so I've well, that's the thing. I really want to talk to you about it. So I jumped in and I watched three episodes. Okay, and then I had to like pause and stop myself because I want to talk about it with you and do it on somewhat the same schedule. So when we talk about it, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but Catch-22 is one of my all-time favorite books. It's one of my all-time least favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping for at least a meet-in-the-middle meet yeah. TV show. But Catch-22 also represents, to me, like my my style of processing the world and processing, you know, stories. Yeah. Um, it is like the pinnacle and so much of the story around catch 22, I find fascinating. Like the fact that Joseph Heller famously was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like catch 22. And then he was done with it. I remember I read catch 22 mind blown interested in theology and philosophy ran out and saw he wrote a book called God knows. And uh-huh. I was like, Whoa, like the catch 22 treatment on like uh-huh. God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sign me up, grab it. Terrible. Yeah. Just terrible. Did not like it. I was also too young to really fully grasp maybe what he was doing, but also what he was doing was so clearly not like catch 22. Mm-hmm. And then I started, reading you know kind of interviews with him and reports and there's just like multiple interviews of people asking him variations of like are you disappointed that this book did not do what catch 22 did and he's like how many people have a book that did what catch 22 did right i'm done and uh i find it all just fascinating i you know it, it was a lesson to me too of like you you can't expect things from anybody or like your heroes like here's a guy who wrote catch 22 which meant a lot to me mm-hmm. and to his mind that's all he had to offer yeah and he was done right so you can't come back to this well and i was like at the time i was like what a wasted you know what i mean like he's dead mm-hmm. he's gone like what else could he have given but then the other side is what yeah what else could he have given yeah. you know uh so anyway i want to do a full Maybe episode on like the book, the movie, why I hate it. Okay. TV show. So. Well, I'm not reading the book anymore. I I figured. <laughs> the, well, I mean the the TV show is good, so I'm going to keep watching it. And I figured I'm not going to read the book and watch the show side by side. I just don't have like the space available for that mm-hmm. in my brain. So if I'm going to watch the show, I'm not going to read the book. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'll go back to it, but I'm not going to do them both at the same time. Yeah, I feel like you you should because it, it is something where like how it's written mm-hmm. is cannot be accessed. Right. It's kind of like Alan Moore's feelings about his writing. You know, it's like, no, you can't adapt Watchmen in any other way than I did in the graphic novel. You know, there it is. It's the great, you like, you can't make a TV show or a film and capture what I did on the page. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of catch 22. Yeah. 
Because it's like, it's good. It's a way better adaptation than I thought it could be. Right. It also does not like hit the, you know, hit the highs right. of the book. How many episodes are there? I think there's six or. Is it a limited thing or it's like a. Oh, so it's once this is over, it's done. That's my understanding. Okay. Um, and that guy is the guy that I was talking about from girls mm-hmm. that was also in that disease movie. Abbott. Hold the door. Is that was called <laughs> something like that. <laughs> You're not even close. Yeah. I have something about a door, right? No, no. There's the, a door in the movie. There's a door in the movie, but it's not hold the door like Hodor from game of Thrones. It's, um, door movie. See now now you've polluted my memory. Um and now I'm thinking about Hold the Dark. Hold the Dark, which is the In the Shadows. It's the it's from the director of Trisha uh Trisha. Um, do a drop. We're both on our um phones. Yeah, that's not my fart. That video is so good. Uh, oh, Lord! Lord I can't. Oh, Lord! I'm, I'm on like some strange yeah, it, IMDb thing. Oh, cast. That's what I want. Cast. Christopher Abbott. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Gosh, uh, it comes at night. There you go. It comes at night. Hold the door. <laughs> that was close. Yeah, I really like it comes at night. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, it's great. I watched it a few times since it gets better. Um, so yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, catch so, so catch 22. So, yeah, so I'll we'll, watch some more of that. Yeah, so we'll come back to that. Other than um, that, that's all. That's all. That's all. That's all. It's uh, all I've got. I watched John Wick three. Oh yeah, how's that? It. I liked it. Okay, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it it just kind of shows that that we've reached a point where you can show anything, but if you don't care about the people going through that thing, mm-hmm. it's not as impressive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. And maybe that's just like the jaded old man in me because I remember being a kid watching any action movie and being like, this is the best thing ever in the whole world. Like, why aren't all adults watching action movies all the time? Like, (laughs) this is amazing. And then you get older and you realize like, it's just grown men playing dress up, you know? Um, Yeah. But yeah, I liked it. Um, So I had some quick, quick hitting topics, I guess. All right. Number one, you lost your last episode. I did. I feel like it's because I asked you to edit just a little thing out of it, and you just decided I'd rather trash the whole episode than to edit any piece. Well, you know what happened was, is editing is not hard. It just... Oh, no, I get it. I Yeah, it just takes a while. But what happened was, is so so we don't use this computer very often. And so whenever we do, you open it up and it's like, sure enough, 
here you you need to install this update so it's just like whatever later 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 because it's like whenever the only time we open it up is when I need to do something right now, right? So I'm not going to take 20 minutes out of my whatever I have to do right now to update the computer. So I hit later, later, later. We record the episode. And then my plan was to rec- was to just edit the mm-hmm. podcast after we recorded it in bed and then just be done with it because that... You made it sound like we recorded it in bed. <laughs> Because that has become that has become my thing where it's like now because I can't do it at work, even though I probably could now because I have a, a, a fair amount of downtime at work. But uh, because I don't do it at work, I do it on the weekends when I wake up and I feel like kind of laying in bed on the weekends. So I was thinking I'll record it since I'm no longer doing like music or anything. I can just do the quick things I need to do, get it up, be done with it, right? So I go get in bed. I'm like, I'll just do it, whatever. I'll do it this weekend. I'm not going to do it right now. And so I just put the laptop down. And then, of course, it restarts and installs the update overnight. But I didn't actually save anything. Mm. So it just lost the thing. I mean, everyone feels like this about their lost work. But that was our best episode. Oh, yeah, clearly. Of course. That was it was really good. Yeah. Um, but now I have, we have this, it, it, everything this just records straight into here. And then whenever I want, I just take that out, put it in here and that's it. If that episode had to die to give us what we have now, <laughs> it was a worthy death. Yeah, sure. Uh, a good sacrifice. So, um, so I'm into board games now, really into board games. Yeah. Um, and I'm done with my first phase of collection. Okay. And now I just need to play all these games. Right. God. Like I've spent the last week just reading manuals. Yeah. It's amazing though how I will read a manual and uh and then forget immediately. Oh I'm yeah. Te- I'm terrible. Yeah. With that stuff. It makes sense on the page and then I turn and look at the game and I'm like what am I looking well, at? Well, it's kind of like with driving too. It's like if you you just have to do it. Right. Like when you're like getting directions to somewhere, like if you drive somewhere and you like get there on your own, you'll you'll remember how to do it Mm -hmm. forever. But if you're like looking at a GPS the entire time, you won't remember. You know what I mean? Mm. So you just kind of have to do it. That's deep. (laughs) I'm just saying that's that's how it is for me, at least. If I use a GPS to get somewhere, I will never remember how to get to that place without the GPS. You hear that, millennials? <laughs> get off your GPS. <laughs> Uncle Justin has a word for you. <laughs> Find your well, own I'm way. I'm curious, though. What is the second phase of collecting? Uh, I don't know yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think... Is that just like a different subset of games? Probably. Like <laughs> it, I, am, I have also done nothing but listen to podcasts and explore mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really interested in finding out like what I like. Some things that I have noticed, and we talked about some of this on the last episode, but to put finer points on stuff, I realized like my brain also works where I will think of like game projects that I would want to do. Uh-huh. Even though I know nothing about game making. I'm like, hey, what if I had to make a war game, what would it be if I had to make a you know, single player, like what would it be? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing all the, like 
thinking of all this stuff while I'm listening to podcasts or whatever. And so I'm listening to podcasts and I realize like board games, you have so many open spots for criticism. It's insane. Like I was truly trying to think if there's another kind of medium that has so many vulnerable spots because what I find is somebody will, will like, if you listen to somebody who's trying to review a game, you can ding a game mm -hmm. on the art style. You can ding it on how it works for single player. You could ding it for how it works on multiplayer. You could ding it for having a theme. You could ding it for not having a theme. You could like, it is endless mm -hmm. to hear how many people will be like, and I'm not, I'm not accusing. I, so I feel like the other thing too, is the audience of, of board games. Those people tend to be a little more like literal mind, literally minded. Yeah. And so they, they might like detail. They like adding things up especially as I get deeper into like different board game hobbies and you know, the games that now people consider to be like entry level or easy that I'm still like, that's a pretty hefty game for me. Yeah. Like, but, but for those people, it's just like, you will never please somebody if they, and again, not saying that they want to just find something wrong, but that's like the way their brain works is just to fixate on small little things. And with board games, it's just endless, man. Well, yeah, I mean, by its nature, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's obviously it's like rule based. And then it's sort of like finding out how you can exploit those rules. And you know what I mean? Right. So and so naturally leads to criticism. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's also like you never know when somebody says, so how is this game where they're going to start? With other things, you might know where they're going to start. Mm -hmm. With a board game, it could be like, um, so let me start with the rule book. Written very confusingly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or it could start with, let me start with the board itself. Or it could be like, let me start with this theme of colonialism. You know? Right. <laughs> very me, problematic. Right. <laughs> let me let me start with... Uh, with the art styles that I think are just a little too cartoony or what, you know, yeah. it's like, good God, like maybe just like the things that I care about right now are just gameplay. Right. You I know? mean, uh, I definitely see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I feel like I could see myself getting to that same place because I'm also at the point to where I'm just like looking f mostly for games that are like fun to play with my family or fun to play with other people. And that's pretty much it. But by, by the way, you just listed ev everything, but that's what play, I play with my saying. family or somebody that, else. That's what I'm saying. Very non-critical, right? Like, like all I really care about is being able to like have fun playing the game. Mm -hmm. But then when you play a game like root and it's like, wow, this is obviously very well thought out. The art style is great. The presentation is great. Then you can start looking at these other games and be like, oh, wow. Well, the concept here is really good. 
but the art style is in the execution not great uh, execution is not like like the quality of the pieces not great you know what i mean but i'm not i'm I, so i could see like like that's the path that you are going down right mm-hmm. that's your phase two pretty much mm-hmm. your phase two is going to be like uh you i don't know, like this art style right like exactly that. your your phase two will be the the art style critique and then phase three will be the quality of the pieces right yeah well i mean here's the other thing too though like I find it fascinating as well. Like the way that board games exist. Number one, I I heard somebody say they're like, oh yeah, I've been playing that a lot. Mm. He was like, oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if the other guy asked him like, how much have you played? Or he's like, yeah, I played it like you know six times last year. And you realize like, oh, in board games, that's that's a that lot. could be a lot. Yeah. I especially when you think about like game reviewers it probably is a lot but for any board game aficionado mm-hmm. who has like a hundred games that they could probably pull out and play yeah and what is the life like what are you demanding of your board game right and what's the nature of the play is it something where you see all the cards and you know what's coming and then you're like oh i'm not gonna play that again or were you then just become so overpowered because you know the game you know what i mean mm-hmm. so games need to also be like constantly ongoing and evolving which is also like for root i listened to somebody who who like you know level like they were like can i recommend it uh and they ended up recommending it but the thing that they were like hesitating on is you know after i played it like 10 times with four different people you mm-hmm. know and it's like i don't know man May, you know 10 times yeah like maybe that i may not play that game 10 times in my entire life entire life and maybe that's not a critique like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just, it feels like it's so wide open with board games. And right now, and maybe this will change right now. My sympathies do lie with the game maker where I just want to be the other thing too, is like, again, I don't know much about game production, but it does feel like a lot of times this is like one person. Like mm-hmm. there are games that I've bought or that I'm interested in. They're like the product of like a year and a half of one person to work. Yeah. And then to sit there and be like, these components are just too small and fiddly. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know, man. But yeah, they're small and fiddly. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Um, it is funny though. Like I got terraforming Mars mm-hmm. used, never played, oh, opened really? it up. All the cardboard pieces never been popped out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. So I was like, great. Um, and I read a review where somebody was like, man, the, the terraforming Mars, pieces and content is just like really poor mm-hmm. like whatever and i opened up and it's really bad <laughs> it looks like a child uh took a crack yeah at designing it but again i you know i'm excited to play the game it yeah. doesn't really affect me too much and then we'll see you know again i i do like the subjective nature of games and i do like the fact that games end up re reflecting the people who play them more than the game itself. Mm -hmm. So like truly somebody who hates a game, you could love it because your personality and the way you think is more in line with that game. And so that's something that I love about games, but also makes it like it will take it. It took me like a month to commit on the games that I purchased. Yeah. You know, to be like, these are worth my money. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um uh, into board games now um saw john wick three. 
Oh, deplatforming racists. Okay. What's your, what's your hot take? I, I feel like, I feel like this. Um, if you look at what's happening in a lot of like conservative, you know, talking head circles, mm-hmm. one of the top three, you know, talking points right now is being silenced and censored by social media platforms, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your nut jobs like Laura Loomer, who is making, trying to make a career out of getting reinstated on Twitter. And you have, you know, the thinkers of the right, Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro, who are still like fanning the flames of this thing, even though they themselves are not experiencing being deplatformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you look at the issue and to me, I guess my hot take is like, what happens to these people, whether you, you, you think about like the poster children of deplatforming, like Richard Spencer or Milo Yiannopoulos, mm-hmm. or even Steve Bannon, I would say. Like you took away Steve Bannon's platform in terms of being in the Trump administration stuff. And look, he's like, he's nothing, right? You take away his Breitbart, you know, post. Mm-hmm. Like th- he was basically deplatformed by his own conservative, you know, website. These people then fall into obscurity. But what I feel like is that's not the platform. It's not the platform's fault. It's a sign of their base of support. Like they are supported by people who don't give a crap about them. They only give a crap about seeming relevant. And if these people can give them a sense of relevancy on the platform of, you know, social discussion, politics or whatever, then they will support them. So Milo, Richard Spencer, you know, Bannon, whatever else, as soon as they fall out of favor, then it's not the platform that leaves them. It's all their support. It's their base, mm-hmm. right? Jacob wall, that lunatic, mm-hmm. like he's, he's, he stopped serving his purpose. He was deplatformed, and then his, his real platform, his supporters all went away because no one really supports him. Yeah. They just want you to say the thing that they can then post on their Facebook and throw at their, you know, nephew and, and, and make their nephew like shut up for a second. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I think it's, uh, I've listened to arguments from both sides. I feel like, um, Oh, both sides in this. Cool. (laughs) I'm leaving. (laughs) Play the smell my fart drop. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I don't, it's it's just as a weird sort of argument because or a situation because it's like it's the it's the anti-fascist thing you know what i mean where it's like being anti-fascist is being fascist in a way you know what i mean mm-hmm. like uh the one thing you don't what's the uh there's like a thing i can't remember what it is now it comes at night the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, it's the, it's the, uh, it's, you can't tolerate intolerance, right? Yeah. 
um, which makes you intolerant, right? In in some regard. Uh, but it's kind of like the same thing where it's like you don't want these people to have a platform um, because their ideas are dangerous and wrong. But at the same time, you like they don't there's like a part of their like a I think a big part of that movement is not wanting to be or at least not wanting to appear relevant. You know what I mean? They want to be relevant sort of without the attention of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They want the mainstream populace to sort of not think it's a threat. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so by deplatforming it, you're kind of feeding into that. Um, But I think ultimately, like, I have no... Like when people are like, we need to get the advertisers to boycott Tucker Tucker Carlson Carlson or Laura Ingraham. I'm just like, yeah, Ingraham. What's her name? Ingram. Ingram. I like Ingraham. Sure. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Go for it. I could care less. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't care. And also the argument of like, well, what if that happens to you? Like that just doesn't Mm -hmm. hold any weight for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't really care. Well, again, I feel like it's it's the it's the false, hypocr- you know, a hypocritical cry of the free market. Right. It's like, yeah, the free market means that people can pull their funding, yeah, from something, right? That they can uh, deplatform you. Like that is the free market, right? You know, uh, and and that is largely the cry that I hear is people like, you know, it's a free market of ideas or whatever. And it's like, yeah. It's also the free market of me not having to listen to it, mm-hmm. you know, or of, again, the collective society determining that those views are harmful, yeah. you know? And then you get these crazy things where it's like, have you have you been following the milkshake attacks in, in yeah. Britain? Yeah, oh yeah. And you get those headlines of like, Nigel Farage is... is barricaded in his bus right. and there are people outside with milkshakes. Surrounded by people with milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get people who are like, uh, you know, full of, uh, you know, assassination like attempts on people are right. not funny. Well, you know, that, we, that we was, are. That's what Sam Harris said. Exactly. Exactly. Sam Harris. But other people say it's the same false equivalent of like, well, the deplatforming thing, too. You know, I mean, to me, first of all, Sam Harris, among other things, is like pro torture like you know what i mean yeah, like straight up idiot. like pro like he doesn't like he's not subversive he is straight up like i think torture is good i think it works right but he's also somehow against people being milkshaked but with that being said yes that to me part of the power of that is to say you are vulnerable you are just like any other person walking these streets you cannot be protected at all times like and i don't mean that in like a sense of like we're going to attack you what i what i mean is like a sense of like almost like accountability right you need to feel like you are a part of this society that that you can be affected in a very real sense just like anybody else can 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think Sam Harris is actually right on that point in that, uh, you know, obviously I can't speak to the people's at, at this point. It's just these people who think it's funny to goof and, you know, throw a milkshake. Throw a milkshake so, which so is it, great. But yeah. at the same time, I agree with the idea that like, this should be sending the message that like you are vulnerable. Yeah. So, I mean, you agree, but don't agree. I mean, cause he's trying to be like, you know, don't do this. Right. Well, like, sure. So I, no, I, I totally agree. I think, I think again, that's the function of us being able to say to somebody, your ideas are harmful. Right. And we don't have to listen to it. And we will also do what we need to, make you aware of that. Right. But, but it's all scalable. But again, the it's because these lunatics who are worried about being deplatformed, they're the ones whose minds are running to like acid and all this stuff because they're terrified of the world. Right. They just want to spread fear. That's all they're about. And on the other side, it's people who are like, yeah, I'm throwing a milkshake at somebody right. big deal. <laughs> or, it's, it's also like I see people on the left who I follow get quote unquote deplatformed because they'll say something like dismissive towards a political figure and then get temporarily banned, right? Yeah. And then other people on the left will like rally behind them and just be like, hey, Jack can't take a whatever, like get him back. And then within like two weeks, they're like back on Twitter and everything goes like, a, like it just keeps rolling, right? It's fine. Yeah. They're not freaking out and their base didn't go anywhere because everybody's aware of like has an actual view of the landscape and they understand like, yeah, these are words on Twitter and don't represent like a, a threat to somebody. This is just Randy, you know, <laughs> calling Ben Shapiro, like just emphasizing that Ben Shapiro thinks being a virgin is like a very, um, notable mm -hmm. and uh worthy um standard to keep yeah. through the age of 35 or whatever <laughs> like you know what yeah. i mean and like that, that's all he's doing he's not being like de-platform but it's like on the right everything is heightened you know yeah. a milkshake's not a milkshake and uh and a ban is not a ban on twitter it's a Deplatforming is a silencing. It's like well, it's and it's also it's anything to sort of get the attention away from the actual policies, right? Um, but I yeah, I don't have any problem with you know those people like Nigel Farage and Mitch McConnell and uh, Lindsey Graham, Kristen, whatever her name was, the home Homeland Security Nielsen. Nielsen. Like those people should be afraid to go out in public. Right. They should be afraid to eat at a public restaurant because they are enacting policies that are harmful to the public at large. So they should be afraid of the public at large. You should not be allowed to do those things and then just hide behind the cover of civility of it's, yeah. Hey, it's just politics. And what I also love about this is this, all of this, uh, all of this fear mongering is coming from the same people who scream about the second amendment nonstop. Yeah. Like, what do you think the second amendment is for? It's for a tyrannical government. You know what I mean? Like this is literally what people are, you know what I mean? Like, how can you 
covet the right to bear arms under the guise of like, what if the government tries to uh uh tries to enforce martial law you know what i mean yeah but then also be against people like throwing a milkshake at a at nigel farage or like what do you think that looks like who do you think the tyrannical government is <laughs> right yes. it's mitch mcconnell it's going to be the politicians <laughs> yeah well it, it's it's so selective like that's the thing that always gets me is like yeah we're we're not for big government uh we're for big corporations it's like okay i mean it seems like just the same taskmaster yeah. in a different suit right. you know and then then they, they are like so concerned with big government so then you say like oh hey guys did you know that lobbyists actually control the politicians did you know that lobby groups are the ones who have like harmed our society um you know more than you know so like you know tobacco right it's mm -hmm. like you know it took us how long to actually be like oh yeah hey cigarettes cause cancer yeah how Politically, how long did it take us to say that, right? The AIDS epidemic. How long did it take people to be like, hey, this is actually what's going on here and not feed into the hysteria, you know, like if you look back on what was said, right? View it as some kind of punishment that's not worth, you know, resolving or finding a cure for and all that stuff. Mm. Like, like all of that is happening because of a, an unholy relationship between politics and lobby groups and money and funding that are all like creating these policies. Right. And then you tell that to the, to the non big government people and they just shrug at you or they're like, well, whatever, you know, it's like, um, Tommy La Lauren or whatever her name is. Oh yeah. We, this is what she tweeted recently. We owe illegals, nothing, not housing, not healthcare, not education, nothing in all caps, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, on that, I feel like this is her view. Also, she doesn't just view that about quote unquote illegals, right? Mm -hmm. She has a draconian view of asylum seekers, mm -hmm. of any of those th those types of people, right? Oh, right. I illegal has has yeah. has been dropped from the immigration right. conversation a long time it ago. Means it is nothing. straight up just immigrants. Yeah, immigrants. So. She get, she says that she gets to say that. And then she gets to go out in public and benefit off of the hard work of the people that she just disparaged and said that we owe nothing to. Right. So then what do they owe her? Right. So if she shows up in a restaurant and I am somebody who is seeking asylum in this country, I'm trying to bring over my family. I have, fled from violence. I'm trying to find a better life. Listen, I will even say, I just wanted to come to America. I don't care. Right. I'm, I'm one of those people. Right. I don't have a sad story. I just want to be here. Yeah. And I see her walk into a restaurant. I'm not cleaning her glass. Right. I'm not serving her food. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing my job because I owe her nothing. Cause she says, she owes me nothing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just like I have this crazy notion that like words mean something. So if mm. you say something outrageous and something that disparages millions of people and disrespects them, 
that you should then be inviting disrespect exactly back on yourself. Right. And so, yeah, if you enact policies that harm children that separate families and then you lie about it and you never come out and say, this is completely messed up what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, I don't think you should be able to get your burrito bowl and just sit quietly in the corner and eat it. Yeah. Maybe you do deserve to get a little milkshake thrown yeah, at you. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no slippery slope on that because my mind doesn't have anything more than a milkshake. I am responding to her actions and words. Yeah. That's why I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah. So catch 22. Um, I got a new game. We talked a little bit. About last time, City of Kings. Mm -hmm. I realized that we forgot that we could buy traps and camps to heal ourselves. Oh, really? We got to the end. I remember I mentioned in the beginning, laid it out, completely forgot because we we beat the first chapter, but then we failed the the first kind of mm -hmm. heroic challenge, like stretch challenge. Mm -hmm. And we got to the point where we weren't like even taking our worker turns. And those are the people that would get the get the camp and then bring it to you and then oh, set it on okay. the map. And then I could have healed. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, cause it, it did like, I died so quickly. I was like, man, how could we have done that? And we were running mm -hmm. out of time, but I was like, Oh, these little tiles. Yeah. But anyway, Sea of Kings, you, you, you like yeah, it. I, I like still, it a lot. I still really like it. Um, I'm excited to play it again with you sometime. Uh, I got a war game. Oh, you did. Yep. Um, I bought that one that I showed you. Guadalcanal, okay. Con Conflict of Heroes. Mm -hmm. I got it because it's a more kind of realistic military simulation game. Uh, but everybody says it's very easy to learn, like super simple. Mm -hmm. And so I figured that's the that's where we should start. Okay. So I got that, and I got terraforming Mars. Yeah. Um. So we got time for a game of root. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Root, and we'll um, watch the rest of that. Milwaukee game? Bucks game. So maybe uh, maybe a drop on the way out. Can, so can can are, are these going to change? Like maybe yeah, they'll change week? over time. Tonight was the first chance I had to, like, actually do load it. them up and do it. So. Oh, Lord. Lord, please. I mean. It's great. I have one that I would love. Yeah. To add so, if you, yeah, yeah. So, like, you'll do the notes. You can make suggestions. I'll load them up. They'll change over time. Oh, perfect. Well, now I, I didn't know that we had all this because I was like going to make some notes, but I was like, ah, maybe we can make this half record, half game night. I feel like we're missing an opportunity, but. Yeah, yeah, just a quick little week. episode. And what do you we'll... refer <laughs> It's so good, man. Like this, this is this is bringing me the joy of like a good board game of just like all the different drops that we can add. Put it in reverse, tear. Yeah. <laughs>